Welcome to Something Like a Pop Broadway Radio's Pop Culture Podcast. My name is Matt Timonet, and as always, I am joined by the brains of our operation, Broadway stars and Broadway Radio's Los Angeles Bureau Chief, Jennifer McHugh, Jen, Old Lang Syne, or whatever. Yeah, in Romanian, it's La Molzan. Oh, good. Any other (laughs) Eastern European languages that you want to throw out at us? Uh, I am learning, I am brushing up on my Russian, but I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, all right. What does that translate to? I feel like I know, like, Old Lang Syne is like, so long gone or something like that or what does that translate to Lamolts on i think means happy new year but you also say it for happy birthday so i think it's just a celebration of you for the day gotcha all right good old lang syne it appears translates to um old long since or less literally long long ago days gone by old times okay so nothing to do with new year's despite the fact that that's what the song is always used for But we are here, as you might have figured out, to talk about things to wrap up this godforsaken calendar year of 2021 and move into what will likely be another godforsaken calendar year this time of 2022. But hopefully we will somehow, as a society, learn from our mistakes from the past two years. Not holding my breath for that, but Jen, we are learning from our mistakes in a way, and we are going to be discussing our pop culture resolutions for the new year. But what's interesting is, is we're going to talk about our resolutions for ourselves, but we also have a resolution for the other person, which we will end with. I'm very excited about that um, and a very uh, a little apprehensive and nervous about what you might have cooked up for me. So we will get into all of that. Um, but if you want to let us know what your pop culture resolutions are for 2022, you can always reach out to us at Broadway Radio on both Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow Jen on Twitter at EpineQ, that's E-P-O-N-I-N-E-Q, and you can follow me at Matt. Let us know your thoughts. So, Jen, we are each going to have four of our own resolutions, and then we're going to wrap up with our resolution for the other person. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first on these? Oh, you can go first. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm nervous. (laughs) Uh, All right, so I am going to start off, um, and so I want to make, one thing I want to make clear here first before we get into this, all of these are COVID pending. Um, I didn't really include much of anything about, like, going out and doing stuff, um, although I do have some of those things on, like, my regular resolutions list obviously covid could throw a wrench in all of that i'm also not doing like the generic i'm gonna read one book four plays and one comic book a month that's on my list but i'm not including that here i i'm not including i'm gonna listen to two podcast episodes every day not doing that i'm trying to be a little bit more specific and interesting with these so one of the things that i have seriously neglected and is kind of a bit of a gap in my pop culture watching is these highly acclaimed crime dramas from overseas. Now, Jen, back in the day on Something Like a Pop, you and I believe we discussed the first season of Killing Eve. That's the last season I watched. So I'm going to catch up on Killing Eve, watch seasons two and three, and then season four will be coming out. Then I'm also going to watch Broadchurch, Happy Valley, Peaky Blinders, and Luther. And what's great about all of these shows is that because they're overseas, they don't have a ton of episodes. Like Killing Eve um, seasons two and three both only have eight episodes. Broadchurch has three seasons. It only has 24 total episodes. Happy Valley is two seasons, 12 episodes. Peaky Blinders has been around for a while, five seasons and 30 episodes. Um, And uh, Luther, let me pull it up here, 
has uh, five seasons and 20 episodes. So that's something that while it sounds like, oh my God, you're going to catch up on six series, uh, they're not that a ton of episodes to do in 365 days. So I feel very good about knocking these things off, checking these things off my list in terms of great performers, great uh, dramas, really well-regarded things that I have just let slip through the cracks um, over the years. And most um, of these, if not all of them, um, are available on Netflix. So I'm very excited to dive in to all of these. I do watch Peaky Blinders of all the ones you listed. Um, that's the only one I watch. Oh, really? so... Did you not do Killing Eve? Oh, yeah. I forgot you mentioned that. Yeah. 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 yeah that's really good. But I think you'll like Peaky Blinders. I know you love Helen McCrory. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a big fan of Tommy Shelby. Oh, okay. um, I do recommend you watch it with the subtitles on because their oh, accent yeah. is very, very difficult to understand. On, specifically on Peaky Blinders? Peaky Blinders, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Birmingham. Birmingham. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I love another show uh, based in Birmingham. But, of course, the late, great Helen McCrory um, – That'll be kind of sad to dive into uh, to her stuff. But I will note Killing Eve is on Hulu if you want to stream it. Um, uh, also, the the next season starts in February, late February, February 27th on BBC America. So. Uh, all right, Jen. So that's my first one. What is your first 2022 pop culture resolution? Well, after your big spiel about not being too generic, uh, I'm so going to you're welcome a, to be generic. You're welcome to I'm be a, generic. I'm being a little generic and almost specifically uh, what you said you weren't going to do. But my first one is about books. And I am an audible subscriber. Like I told you in the past, I listen to books. Mm-hmm. It helps with my um, ADD if I can listen and not have to read. And I love listening to books and I have a library full of them that I just ignore. So my uh resolution is to kind of hack away at my library in audible and i've been reading a lot of autobiographies i love autobiographies but i really want to get back into reading novels so one of my resolution is to kind of get on a schedule to um, hack away at some of these books because um audiobooks are just like regular books you buy them with the best of intentions and sometimes they just sit there for years gathering virtual dust (laughs) i i like buying books is like my um like my retail therapy and i don't i never have time to read them so my goal at some point is to become filthy rich so that i can just sit in my own personal library and read every book on my shelf like that is the that is the dream i love that for you yeah me too. And I remember back way, way, way back in the day, probably 2015, 2016, like, do you have a, a good friend or a family member who's a librarian or a school librarian? And you've had this discussion about whether or not you should say that, you know, audible listening to a book, you could say you've read it. Because um, I remember having that discussion with you and, and they said that that is, in fact, appropriate. Am I m- misremembering that story? Oh, you're remembering that correctly. My dear cousin, Shelley, is a librarian at the University of Scranton, and um, they offer a lot of audio um, books in the library for, for people like me who have trouble reading, you know, words on the page. Like for me, they jump all around. So when I hear it, when it's it's like someone telling me a story, it's a lot easier for me. And they offer that option for students. It's um, it's a disability offering in the library. Oh, so when you've completed it, you have read it, even though someone has read it to you. I love that. Great. 
Uh, all right, so my next one is to kind of follow along with the fact that as you lovely listeners have been following along over the past year or two with me, I have been very open about the fact that despite my love for television, I have not been able to watch much TV for a multitude of reasons in the past few years. That will be changing this year. But one manageable, active thing that I want to make sure that I am doing is I always want to be watching a currently airing show, whether that means on broadcast or streaming, that is like at the center of some sort of pop culture discussion. It doesn't have to be the most um, prestige of shows. Um, it could be a genre show. It could be a nerd show. But I want to be watching something um, actively that is currently airing. So that means like if it's on broadcast, like watching it, if I don't watch it live, watch it within 24 hours. If it's streaming, watch it, you know, the next day or so after the, an episode premieres. Um, so I'm going to be starting with the book of Boba Fett. Um, I, the first episode came out this morning as we're recording on Wednesday, um, yesterday morning as you're listening. I haven't watched it yet, but um, since it is just now starting at the first episode of the season, um, kicked off, it will run into 2021 or 2022. So that will be my first one. And I will just go from that to something else. They can overlap. It doesn't have to be like one week, one stops and a new one has to start the next week, but they can overlap. But I always want to be watching some sort of TV show that is at the center of a good portion of pop culture, uh, discussion because I miss being a part of those conversations, whether they are on Twitter, whether they are IRL or they're with you, Jen, I, I want to be involved in those discussions in 2022. So I will always be watching some zeitgeisty show on either broadcast network, cable, whatever, or streaming services in 2022. Again, I love that because how many times do we have this conversation? Oh my God. Did you watch Boba Fett? I'm so behind. I know all the time. <laughs> I hate it. And I hate it because I feel so bad because that's like what I want to do. Like reading books and just like watching TV and then talking about them or writing about them is what I want to do. So, uh, yeah, so that is definitely something that is as much for the people in my life, including you, as it is for me. That's fantastic. And I will probably be leaning on you for some recommendations. I've started a massive spreadsheet of things that I need to catch up on. And I have a list of things that I that are coming in 2022 that I want to watch. But I will definitely be leaning on you for recommendations as well. So what is your second resolution, Jen? Um, I'm going to be the polar opposite of you. And I'm going to say for television that I am not going to keep watching television shows when I've gotten past the point of enjoyment and I'm only watching mm -hmm. them out of obligation. Yeah, fair. Um, there's too much content now and there are shows that I have watched for years and I'm like, I have a new episode of that. And I just sit there and wait for it to be over. Give and me an example. Not... Give me an example. The Goldbergs. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that has its own issues and will yeah. look markedly different when it returns as well. Issue, issues aside, I haven't enjoyed it in years. And I know that it makes a lot of people happy. And But I don't know why I'm still watching it. Like it, it is literally an obligation. And I know there's people that still watch Grey's Anatomy for the same reason. And sure. um, there's just too much out there. And there are certain shows where I like cannot wait until there's a new episode up. Um, and I need to make more room for those instead of just checking things off a list. I love that. And you literally, I mean, I was talking about my spreadsheets, but you were the queen of uh, TV spreadsheets. Like I just have a list of things I want to go through. Like you used to have schedules of when to watch. And this was like kind of just as things were moving to streaming options and DVR and stuff. But like you used to have a massive list of like when you have to like switch the TV to watch something else. I do have a... Um, 
an Excel grid of current things currently airing, things I need to catch up on, things that I want to rewatch because I do do rewatches somewhere. Yeah, I don't do that. And, um, you know, and also I'm pitching articles. So like, yeah. you know, there's always things that I'm trying to watch to get published. So I have an elaborate grid of television. I might need to check in on that grid to, to get more things on my <laughs> list as well. My next one is going to be a thing that does have to do with hopefully things being okay with COVID, um, especially moving further into the year of our Lord 2022, um, because I have really um, kind of let my theater attendance slip other than when I'm in New York, because when I'm there, that's all I do. Um, But I really want to make sure that I am seeing um, one play or musical every other week, let's say, um, not and not including when I'm in New York. Um, so I want to be able to do some. No, I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to say on average, I want to see 52 plays or musicals outside of New York in 2022. I know that's possible because I already have tickets to 28 um, shows in total. Some of those are in New York. Um, some of them are not. Four of them are in New York. So 24 shows outside of New York. I, For the first time ever, I have subscribed to or a couple Orlando theaters. I subscribe to Orlando Shakes and to Theater West End. Um, so I am going to make it a point to see shows and to go outside of Central Florida. Go, there's great theater in Tampa. There's a theater that I really like in Vero Beach. Um, I want to hit some stuff in, in Miami and Fort Lauderdale as well. Um, and then I'm also planning a trip to um, St. Louis this summer um, to see some things at the Muni. My aunt lives um, in downtown St. Louis and she invited me to come out, out there. And I was like, well, I might as well come in the summer when the Muni's there. She's a theater person too. Um, so we're going to do that. So my goal is to see, and I'm saying it, 52 shows outside of New York in 2022. And I'm also going to be going be doing a show at the Fringe Festival here in Orlando. So that will help me kind of up those numbers. But I think I can do it even without cheating at Fringe as well. So that's my very ambitious goal, COVID pending. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, I'm a glutton. I've got the spreadsheet already no, started. Are. So but I love it. I mean, that's the stuff that brings me joy. I also don't think you should consider it cheating by going to fringe shows. I mean, attendance well, I, at fringe shows are, are what they need. Yeah. And I just meant like numbers wise, I can rack up a ton of them in a short amount of time. Like I can go in there and see like six shows in one day. So I, I think it's a little cheating in terms of throwing off my numbers. Um, but I love it. Every time I've been able to, to spend time in going to Orlando Fringe, which is the longest running fringe festival in North America, um, it's been great. So I wasn't cheating in terms of the quality, just in like <laughs> the 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 proximity of all those shows in a short amount of time it really makes it easy for me to rack up a ton of shows in in like two weeks i've only done la fringe once um and i've participated in a show that was an award-winning play and now movie and then i also participated mm-hmm. in a horrible one-man show that still gives me nightmares so good. very good there's very every good. something for everyone yeah awesome all right what is your third uh, resolution jen I decided um, after this past Halloween that I'm going to open my mind up a little bit to the genre of horror. Oh. Um, my boyfriend is a horror fan. And as I've spoken about before over Halloween, he had me watch five classic horror films and I really enjoyed them. And I think, I mean, I'm not really interested in gore or slasher, but like there's something to be said for the genre of horror um, with suspense and thrillers. And I think. 
I would like to be a little bit more open to it instead of writing off the entire genre because I am afraid of haunted houses. (laughs) (laughs) But I watched The Thing and I watched Alien and there's just some real classics out there that I, I was really happy to see and appreciate the filmmaking of of them. So I'm going to be more open to that. I love that. I am not a horror person either, but like I know that there are just like there's some really excellently made classics that are, again, just something that I haven't done. So I, I might try to mix in some of those as well. Uh, that's great. I love that. Um, all right. So my final one for myself is actually the one that I'm most excited about. So I am somebody who enjoys calendars. I like daily calendars. I like wall calendars. And I stumbled across a couple calendars um, just here in the past week. They are from Asgard Press, and I just found them online. And they are classic movie posters um, as like the thing and then the calendars underneath. There's one per month. And I got two. They have a number of them. I got their vintage movie musicals calendar. And I also got their vintage movie posters calendar. So what I plan on doing is whatever the movies are for that month, I am going to watch them. And they are apparently um, include some commentary from pop culture historian Dr. Arnold T. Bloomberg. Um, But some of the movies on both of the calendars I've seen before. Some of them I've never even heard of before. Like the vintage movie musical one is a Fred Astaire and Rita Hayworth movie called You'll Never Get Rich from 1941. Never heard of it. But the vintage movie posters one is The Big Sleep with Bogey and Bacall, which I have definitely seen. So I'm going to be watching those um, in January. Um, some other great names on the list include like Carmen Jones and Carousel and My Fair Lady and Top Hat and Guys and Dolls and White Christmas, which Jen, you and I just talked about last time we did an episode. But then also there's some stuff on the, the, the movie posters one with like the 1939 version of Weathering Heights or Tender is the Night with um, with Elizabeth Taylor and then Road to Morocco with Crosby and, and Hope. Um, so some really great things. Um, Citizen Kane's on there as well. Um, a 1931 version of Frankenstein. Frankenstein is one of my top five favorite books. Um, and this is like the old classic, um, um, you know, universal monster movie. So I'm really excited to dive into those. Um, I haven't seen a ton of old movies like this old. Um, I have, like I said, seen some of these, but I'm excited to kind of get to know all of these films, whether they're for the first time or as a refresher. And I am purchasing that (laughs) calendar. As we speak. Yeah. As we speak. I'm not buying. The screen is open. It's in the car. (laughs) Lovely. I love that. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and they are, what's cool about them is, is you can also apparently detach the poster part of it and frame them if you want. Um, So if one really sticks with me, I very well might be doing that. Okay. That's great. All right. So what is your last resolution for yourself, Jen? Well, this is difficult. Um, I am a huge awards show fan. Mm -hmm. And my last resolution is to try and wean myself off of awards um, defining what I'm going to watch. Because I've seen a couple of the films that are in contention for the Oscars and I have hated them <laughs> and I have uh, to start yeah. I have to start being okay with liking movies that the Academy don't 
And um, so my goal is to stop putting so much value on awards, uh, whether it be Oscars or SAGs or Emmys or anything else, and just kind of embrace the fact that I like what I like. And just because people think a sweeping epic is an Oscar winning picture doesn't mean that I have to like it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love that. I mean, I think in, in awards are so interesting, too, because you and I have done a lot of stuff on awards uh, over the years on some like it pop. Um, but it is, um, you know, things are changing with awards like the, the Golden Globes aren't airing uh, on television this year. They're still going to give them out, but they're not airing. So that kind of changes the whole thing. Um, Oscars have, you know, were a much different feel last year. So it just kind of feels like everything is I don't know, just kind of moving. And I don't think that really has anything to do with like the Academy finally starting to include other people. Um, but it's it's starting to feel like the impetus of the popular culture caring about the awards is changing. Obviously, we still care, but it's not exactly... Um, you know, it's not the same as it used to be, at least for me. So I, I love that for you. And I think, and the Emmys is a good example too, because there's too much television to have the same old award show. Like you can't have a supporting actor category with seven guys over 150 TV shows. You know, it just doesn't make sense because everything, all the awards go to streaming now. And, mm -hmm. you know, Mama Jen in Northeast Pennsylvania couldn't care less because she doesn't watch streaming. She watches network. So there's there there's got to be a revolution coming with these award shows that we have to account for all these different ways to watch movies and television now yeah i'm with you there um actually that kind of segues into my resolution for you jen i feel like you might be able to see this one coming um, I am not going to be super creative on this one because it is something that brings me so much joy. And I think it would bring you joy despite some of your personal uh, taste differences for me. And the word taste was very much a pun because I am going to make a resolution for you to watch at least one season of The Great British Baking Show. Now, you are not a sweet person. You've said that before. You said it recently. Wait a second. Rephrase that. I'm not a sweets person. Sweets person. I'm sorry. Sweet you are a very person. sweet person. You are a sweet and lovely human <laughs> being. Yes. You are not a sweets person. You prefer salty, savory things. But as anyone who's watched GBBO or GBBS, whichever version you want to call it, depending on whether uh, you're in the UK or the US, thank you, Pillsbury, um, a lot of the stuff they do is savory. Um, British people like meat pies and all of these other savory types of things and a lot of other European cultures that inspire the challenges do as well. So I think you will kind of enjoy a lot of the baking in there, whether it's something you would eat or not. Um, even when I was eating sugar, I probably wouldn't have eaten most of the sweet desserts um, that they make because British desserts are weird. But it's not really about that. Um so I'm going to I'm, I'm going to make the resolution for you to watch one season of Great British Baking Show or Great British Bake Off. The thing about the streaming, though, is, is that it is a mess to figure out what is the first season and what is not. Um, the first three seasons are technically not streaming in the U.S. 
Then you start getting them out of order because PBS purchased the rights to start airing them, but they didn't air them necessarily in order. So some things that are called like season one in the US is actually series four in the UK, and then they started airing them out of order. Then Netflix currently has something called Great British Baking Show The Beginnings, which is a season that was, I think, series five, even though series five is season three here. That's leaving the streaming service at the end of this month. So tomorrow it'll still be on PBS. So when you want to watch it, you can either watch the very first season, which I would probably recommend just because Mel and Sue as the hosts are the best iteration of the show. Um, or you can watch the most recent one, which I thought the most recent season was fantastic as well. But depending on what you want to do, I'll be happy to do the research so you don't get spoiled and like accidentally see the winner um, to figure out what is the first chronological episode or season, if that's what you would like. Um, but I would love for you to watch the Great British Baking Show, at least for one season. And they are um, the, the the first two seasons, which are not streaming in the U.S., are six and eight episodes. The rest of them are all ten. So it's not a huge time commitment by any means. I will accept this challenge only because it's uh-huh. not The Masked Singer. And that's no, what I, I would was not have af- done that. really afraid of. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. I would not do that to you. Okay. Yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah. Um, and it's ten hours. You know, that's over the course of a calendar year. That's that's nothing. Yeah. No, I can do that. Um, I think you said something, you know, earlier that when, when you challenge someone to do something, it's easier when you give them something that you think they'll like instead of something that's going yeah. to make them uncomfortable. So oh, no. in, with that, I'm not going to recommend something to you that's going to be completely cringeworthy or make you uncomfortable because then you know, your trust in me for recommendations kind of lessens and I don't want that. So I did kind of take the easy way out and I'm using this opportunity to demand that you watch the show Mythic Quest. Okay. All right. And that's two seasons on Apple TV plus. So I can definitely do that. 16 episodes. I am recommending it because I need you to watch the uh, episode I recommended last episode Mm -hmm. with um, F. Murray Abraham and William Hurt, because you as a theater guru will so appreciate the craftsmanship of the writing, the directing and the performances, but you're, it'll, it won't give you the same resolve if you don't watch the whole series and the show itself is great. And I think you'll really, really find it humorous, even though you're not a gamer, but I really yeah, explain think what it is. It's about a video game company. It is. It's a workplace comedy, but it's set in the world of video games. And I know nothing about video games. I couldn't care less about video games. But at the at the crux of it, it's just people in an office and it's creatives versus business. And, you know, it's conflict, it's humor, it's, you know, office romances, it's screaming matches and um just some really interesting characters and great performances, some with people you've, you'll recognize and some with people you've never seen before. And you're like, mm-hmm. where has she been? <laughs> but I, I think it's just a show that's kind of under the radar because Ted Lasso is such a headliner on Apple plus that I think this gets lost and um, it's underrated. And the writing is just really good. Um, Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny created it, and he's the star of it. And he's really good at playing this type of character, this goober who's ultra smart, but so has no common sense and has way too much money. And he's just good at it. 
and uh, I really think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's uh, the a uh, whole bunch of folks from uh, Always Sunny were involved in the creation of this, but it also has, like you mentioned, Ephraim Abraham, Danny Putty from uh, Community, and a, a ton of really cool looking guest stars. It looks like, um, including Broadway's own Kristen Milioti. Um So that's great. I'm very happy with that. It's already been renewed for a third and fourth season as well. So if I get into it now and it's only 10 episodes a season, I can catch up in plenty of time for season three to drop. They also did an um, an episode in quarantine over Zoom. And it is it is brilliant. Like I was uh, I was amazed at what they pulled off. All right. I love that. So for me, you are going to watch a season of your choosing. I would recommend either the first one available or the most recent of The Great British Baking Show. For you, I will be watching the two seasons and the subsequent uh, COVID special of uh, Apple TV Plus's Mythic Quest. I love those. I think those are good and wholesome things for us both to try. I think so too. And like I said, it's it's good when you kind of keep in mind the person you're recommending to, because then it's a lot easier to establish a trust. Absolutely. All right. So let us know what you will be diving into in the new year in terms of pop culture resolutions at Broadway Radio on both Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can reach out to Jen about her resolutions and any other recommendations that she might have. You can also see all of her articles from Collider.com on Twitter at EpineQ. That's E-P-O-N-I-N-E-Q. You can follow me at B-W-W Matt. Um, Jen, if you're going to get this calendar, like I feel like we might need to do... Like after we've both watched the the movie slash movies of the month, maybe we just like throw those into episodes every month and like just give a real quick recap of whatever um, movies we saw that month from our vintage poster calendar. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. Awesome. Well, everybody, have a wonderful New Year's Eve. Please stay safe. If you're going out to a party, I mean, don't. But if you are going out to a party of some sort, some sort of gathering, make sure that you are masked. Make sure that everybody is is safe and quarantined and, and boosted and all of those things. We want to uh, continue to talk to you and at you for the duration of 2022. So have a wonderful New Year's Eve. Have a wonderful New Year. And we will talk to you in 2022.